We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it over 25 minutes, all right? How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back to this lovely show we call the Underage Packers Podcast. Too young to have a spotted cow. Too young to have a leap vodka. But we're always down for a Dr. Pepper and a good time chatting about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Joey, and then joining me is Big B. Big B, how ecstatic are you to talk about how bad the Packers are for a fifth week in a row? Yeah, it's, it's starting to get used to it. It's starting to become fun again, you know? This, yeah. Like, I'm kind of depressed still, but we're moving past all the losses because Packers will get a win this week. I guarantee it. That's right. That's right. You know, we've – you can tell – the level of excitement we have about this Packers team by the the gradual decrease in content on the YouTube channel. Like we were dedicated at the start of the year, you know, we'll have a, a game recap, short game recap, a video on the middle of the week, and then a podcast send it off on Friday. But now, like what more is there to talk about? I feel like we've just published the same episode each of these past four weeks here. And here we are again. So Packers chief concern should obviously be if the underage Packers podcast should have enough content. So Mark Murphy needs to do a better job at that, but we do have plenty of talk about today. So hopefully uh, it's a little fresh, a little interesting. Um, So with that being said, let's start it off with the fifth and hopefully final loss on this uh, losing streak for the green Bay Packers now sitting at three and six. Uh, they lost 15-9 to nine to the Detroit Lions. A lot of questions, a lot of problems exposed once again with this team. And uh, the hope somehow week by week, um, you know, decreases. So, like, there are so many things you can pick apart about this game. The Packers in the first quarter really, you know, killed themselves. If they just change a few things about that first quarter, um, you know, like, Aaron Rodgers interception um, to Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the one that's a fluky play, obviously, but the one that bounces off the defender's head and uh, pops in the air for a Lions defender to get it. Um, and that was after, uh, what was it, like 50-yard catch by Alan Lassard? Um, Yeah. Something like that. So, I, like, just you change those two. Like, the Packers get 14 points there and then maybe, you know, just a field goal on a you know a possession later that they also don't get points off of then bam they win this game pretty easily and that was the whole vibe you know going into the fourth quarter it's like all right they have played god awful this game but we don't care if they play god awful because we are just hoping to get a win so the season doesn't end right here mm-hmm. and they just could not put points on the board against one of the worst defenses since Joe Barry's 2000 eight Detroit Lions. That was, that was a little cool hook there. Just saw that on the spot, but um, yeah, it, it was unbelievable to see all, all the mistakes. And the thing that really sucks about this is that there was a lot of hopeful plays. There was a lot of opportunities. You had the Jair Alexander interception um, after an Aaron Rodgers interception, Jair gets one. And then Aaron Rodgers throws another interception right back to him. 
So that hurt. And, you know, like Andy Herman on his video on Monday, he kind of just mentioned all of these, you know, great, inspiring, game-turning plays that were just stopped by a brick wall in terms of momentum. A frustrating game. Um, yeah, Big B, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, just like everybody has been saying this, but like our our offense is so close to being like actually watchable because at this point that's yeah. not watchable. Like I want to bang my head against the wall watching this offense, but if we just fix like a, a few of those um, key mistakes, like the Roger, a couple of Rogers interceptions, like and also the the the, uh, the decision make by Matt LaFleur to go for it on fourth down a few times in that first half and not getting any points off of that and just the fluky penalties. Like, I feel like our offense could be actually kind of decent, especially with how good um, the defense has been playing the last couple weeks. And Joe Barry has seemed to actually change a few things. But now with Stokes' injury, who knows what he'll do. Yeah. I mean, this offense, uh, yeah, like you say, they're, they're close. If they could just do what they did against the Bills with, uh, you know, little time, you know, where they just had those two drives where they kept running the ball over and over again, they'd be all right. Um, it does seem like Aaron Jones is going to miss t- some time, and we'll get to all the injuries in this game later because that is probably the biggest loss from this game. But you talking about Aaron Rodgers and kind of the dysfunction on this offense leads to an important question of who is to blame for this disaster. And, you know, it's impossible to point the finger at just one person. And I'm not asking that. That's not the question. But who deserves the crown for most to blame in this? Because for me, like I said, I can't put it on anybody because there's circumstances for everybody. I think my answer is Aaron Rodgers because, you know, I mean, like everyone has said, you are being paid. $50 million. You were, you know, the Packers pulled out all the stops, all the cards to get you back here. And you suck. You suck this year. And he's also, you know, it seems from the outside, at least, that he's kind of ruining Matt LaFleur's game plan. But we don't, that's hard to say for sure. But he is certainly, you know, making bad decisions. He is changing RPOs at the line to passes consistently. So, you know, Rodgers deserves a lot of blame, and I, I shouldn't have said he sucks. That's not a nice word, and to be fair, like, there is just still a few plays in every game where you're like, holy crap, how did he make that throw? Mm-hmm. But he is, we'll say, not played up to standards for $50 million. And uh, so, you know, but I can't blame him completely on Aaron because, like, as much as I like to fight for the narrative, that the weapons aren't the problem. There is, you know, this team would have looked different if they had Devontae Adams or even still had MBS without Devontae. Like, there is problems with that. Um, so then you you point your a uh, gaze of blame to the front office for not going and get a wide receiver. But they did get Sammy Watkins, who even though he has been injury-prone, he looked way better than he has for the Packers this year. They did not expect you know, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs now, to face injuries. They did not expect Al Mazzard, Randall Cobb. Well, they probably expected Randall Cobb. But they did not expect all these guys to consistently be in sideline 
and then for him to not be able to rile on those guys and instead have to go to Samari Torre, Juan Winfrey, and Amari Rogers. They did not expect that, so it's hard to place that directly on the front office. Also, too, because our expectations for this team before this year were so high for every single player, and pretty much every single player is underperforming those expectations. And you can say that, sure, the front office, their job is to see that coming. Their job is to get away from players a year too early before it's two years too late. But I really can't blame it all on the front office. Then to the coaching staff, I mean, it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers is possibly limiting some of their offense. Injuries have played a big part in it. Um, and really, I mean, some players have just been are miles back from where they were last year. So, there's not one person or group you can place this whole thing off. But overall, it's just been a disaster. Big B, uh, who are you pointing blame at most here? Yeah, kind of like what you were mentioning. Like, you can't really point a finger at a specific person because, like, I want to say Rodgers, but then, you know, I want to – but then I think about it, like, what could kind of re- – the receivers, and then I'm, like, well, going back and forth with all these bunch of different people. But – I think it's most, it's definitely mostly on Aaron. He's clearly not looked like his self, especially the past two season self. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rec- the rec- to the receivers, like they haven't had much time, I would say, right. to get that Devonte Adams like co- connection, of course. And nobody's going to replace Devonte. And like on that Samori Toure drop, that was like pretty much in the dirt. Like Devonte would make that catch. Yeah. On- he would 100% work back. So I, I think it's definitely on Rodgers. The receivers, the experience of the receivers definitely are not helping Rodgers. And, you know, it's, it sucks to say that, that I think Rodgers might be done. Yeah, I don't know. We've seen him come back from since where he's looked just as bad as he has now or close to it, and he's come back and looked phenomenal like 2016. But – the difference obviously is that he was not 38 years old and, and yeah plus like Aaron's like not even using the, like Rogers is not even using the Matt LaFleur offense like I like every time they call Matt, Matt calls an RPO I 100% think every single time he he actually passes the ball like I, I think he doesn't even think of mm-hmm. handing it off and like on that um video I forgot who posted it I think TJ Lang posted an Elton Jenkins reaction on that throw and he didn't hand it off was priceless. It was phenomenal. (laughs) But every Packer fan is looking like in their rooms watching the game. Yeah. And I like to address the people that defend Aaron Rodgers at all costs. All right. It is okay to admit to Mitch that he has not been great. Okay. He's not going to like, I don't know, like, do you expect him, like, you have him invited over for dinner on next Tuesday and you don't want him to break that invitation? Like, I I don't know why you guys are so passionate about defending him. And sure, maybe there are some people, like me, admittedly, who will kind of crucify him week in and week out. But I, I just don't get it. The blindness they have to some of this, like, even – after he threw his third interception to this game, which was uh, under throw to Samari, people are still like, oh, he's not the problem. Like, they should still win this game. 
how is he not the problem in that game <laughs> specifically? Who like who else are you pointing blame at? The defense held this Lions offense who have scored 40 points consistently. They held them to 15. Who else is to blame here? In this game, I I don't get it. And I like even someone a few weeks ago like pulled up like his career stats. And I'm like, no, I am not saying that Aaron Rodgers has never had a good season and that he's been off quarterback for the Packers. Like I can say that uh, you know, last the last two years were, were some of the best quarterback play that we've seen in the NFL, but like he ain't good this year, all right? And it's okay to admit that. Um, yeah. Like Sunday, I, like Sunday, I was just thinking before like we got on here, like I can't think of a worse game I've seen Aaron Rodgers play in like re- yeah. recent memory. Like that was an awful game by him. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too terribly much time on Aaron uh, because that's, I mean, that's the easy talking point. But I do wonder, it does seem, and this is kind of a characteristic of Matt's teams in general too, that when they get rattled, they get so shaken up that there's no chance of them returning to stability. And like, I think back to games where Rodgers has had multiple interceptions, the 49ers NFC Championship game, the 40 or the Buccaneers regular season game, like week five of 2020, and the Buccaneers NFC Championship game. And now this game against Detroit, and there's probably other ones that I'm uh, missing here. But when he throws multiple interceptions, which is a very rare occurrence, or just is having like makes a few bad mistakes, misses a few touchdowns, he just, he's completely lost for the rest of the game. It's kind of like me and Madden. Like when I get into a slope with throwing interceptions, you can bet I'm going to have ten more uh, because I'm going for that home run. So, you know that applies to Aaron and also Matt seems too that they just they get so rattled and they don't know how to restabilize. It's hard to watch, really. Um, some other things from this game uh, we mentioned earlier: the injuries. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think there were six players that came out of the game, but you did have John Runyon Jr. come back. And who was – I believe there was another one who was injured but came back to the game. Um, David didn't play the whole second half until the final drive. That's right. Um, so, but then you had Rashawn, Gary Terran in his ACL, um, Eric Stokes. Um, it was a knee or ankle injury, I want to say. And then – got Okay, both. And then Dobbs had – a ankle injury that he's going to be sidelined for for four to six weeks. So pretty much until the last few weeks of our season. Um, And all, and then you also had had Aaron Jones with an injury and AJ Dillon, he went out for like a a drive or two, right? Or I I think I might be confusing this. I'm thinking of the bills game where AJ like looked like he twisted his leg. 800 yeah, degrees died in that Buffalo game. Yeah. Um, so scratch Dylan, but all Gary Stokes, Dobbs and Jones and Bakhtiari too, really were leg injuries. And this mm-hmm. isn't a coincidence. All right. It's because of the turf on forward field. And this has been a issue that players and coaches alike have talked about for a long time. Like I remember last year, the 49ers had Nick Bosa and a few other players go out in one week because they played at 
MetLife, which for some reason uses turf. I believe I have that right. Um, but I remember them complaining about that. Like it, it's an issue and I'm not here to make some, you know, declared statement for all NFL teams that they must switch to real grass because I frankly don't know too terribly much about the issue, but like, it's a problem. And Devondre Campbell um, tweeted out his worries about this, uh, this Monday. He said, this is two weeks in a row. We've had players get injured on turf fields. I think it's time y'all make y'all take some of the money y'all make it off us and invest in grass fields for every team around the league. The turf is literally like concrete. It has no give when you plant. And I also want to add our friend Cass Delgado's input to this. Um, Big She's a TV patron. And she mentioned this um, the other night that like turf dramatically increases the chance of leg injuries. And you look at the four big ACL injuries the Packers have suffered over the past three years. Um, well, you can't count David because it was out practice, but you have Alton Jenkins in Minnesota, Robert Tunyon in Arizona, and now Rashawn Gary in Ford Field, all inside turf fields. Coincidence? I think not. So I would not care about this at all if it had not taken away those three great players from us. But it's frustrating for sure. Yeah, and I've uh, played on turf a few times back in my day, you know, playing the good old football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, Campbell's right. Like, that, like, turf does not have no give. Like, that shit hurts when you fall on it. And it is absolutely brutal to play on. Weird. You think uh, they have a be- better solution by now? Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so that's injuries. That's the Detroit game. I'm going to say the same thing I've said about every game here, but hopefully we can put that in our rear view mirror now as we look ahead to this Dallas Cowboys game. And the big headline of this week is Mr. Michael McCarthy, Pittsburgh native, making his way back to Lambeau Field. Man, Mike, it's great to have you back. We've had the season circled on our calendars ever since 2018 knowing you'd finally return here and it's, it's great to have you back. I think um, back in, if we had faced the Cowboys in 2019, my opinions would be very different or he wasn't even coaching in 19. It wasn't until 20 that he got the job. If we faced them, then I might have different feelings about it. But now that, you know, we've had our successful runs and Mike's, you know, been able to reestablish his character in my mind at least you know that's great for him i was worried for mike really when like a few months after he was fired like the report came out that he was at his daughter's high school basketball game and he you know had flashbacks to being a coach and um yelled at the rest in my mind in my romanticized mind i like to think mike went up there just like he did and the. Uh, uh, Washington game, that famous gif where he's like running them down like he's going to murder them. I really hope that was the case there. But, you know, Mike is, you know, on the inside, he's kind of like a teddy bear, and I don't mean that in an insult. You know, he's just a, a guy that likes his latte with no foam, if you know what I mean. So, uh, that's Mike. Great to have him back. Big B, uh, what are your thoughts on Welcome Michael back? I can't remember what your feelings on were him from the the rough years of 2016 to 18. 
Yeah, I don't really remember either, but I'm excited to have him back. Uh, I love Mike McCarthy. He's just such a cool dude. And, you know, I'm probably going to be on the sidelines this week. So hopefully uh, I'll get, the, get a picture with him because I've always wanted to get a picture with Mike. And I, I, I absolutely loved him as a coach. Final years, of course, were an absolute disaster. And I wanted him gone so bad. And I was so happy when he was fired. But, you know, all those feelings aside – so happy you're back, Mike. Yeah, we need the Big B and Mike McCarthy picture. We need that to happen. The uh, you know when you're yes. you're looking back, you know it's it's almost a nostalgia thing where you always paint the picture of yesteryears much more prettier than they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it's it's much more fun to remember the um, the the pad level. Uh, it's like anything; those great moments with Mike. The I'm not in the mood for drama, Jason. Oh, gotta love Mike McCarthy. Gotta love. God bless him. Um, Great to have you back, Mike. Uh, This Dallas Cowboys team, though, has been very good. And I hate seeing people that want to give all the credit to Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn because Mike McCarthy, he's smashing watermelons over there. He's doing all the right stuff. And he has led this team to now be 6-2 and on the year, have beat some tough teams. They were able to beat... Uh, the Eagles, uh, the Giants, and a few other teams with Cooper Rush at quarterback, which was crazy. So they're obviously a really strong, deep team. They have Micah Parsons, just uh, a crazy man on the defensive side of the ball. He can do it all, and would love Clay Walker to turn into a player like that. On the offensive side of things, they have been struggling at wide receiver without Amari Cooper, but they do have C.J. Lamb, and they do have a few other pieces on there as well. You've got Dak Prescott back, who, um, after a a very concerning week one and then missed some time with injury, been playing all right in recent weeks. And then the main um, thing for this team, uh, at least on the offensive side of things, is their two running back um, monster, um, and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. So it's another tough matchup for Green Bay. It's not even worth it really to do a full in-depth um breakdown of the Packers opponents because in the past few weeks their biggest opponent for the Packers has been themselves mm-hmm. so got to get it together this week against Dallas and I'm glad this didn't happen in 2020 also because like I'd be desperately hoping for revenge against Mike but not that I'm obviously like still going to be rooting for the Packers very hard and I do not want the Packers lose i don't want the cowboys to win but it won't be if the cowboys do win it won't feel like there was extra salt thrown in the wound um because it's mike mccarthy you know i've i've come i've gone through the five stages of grief and hatred towards mike mccarthy at this point now uh for this cowboys game the most important event that will be happening is big b Thanks to the great kind folks at the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We'll be having an incredible experience this weekend at the game, starting tomorrow, really, starting Thursday. Bigby, can you give the people, if they are not following you on Twitter, give the people kind of the agenda for these next few days for you? All right, so tomorrow, a.k.a. Thursday, um, I will be traveling to Green Bay, only three hours, so it. I'll have uh, pretty much a full day in Green Bay to do whatever I w- would please. Gonna gonna eat some Andrewsies when we get there. Mm. You know, love to see that. 
Um, Friday is like I, a free day. So we can go like shopping at the pro shop, go to the hall of fame, go to the heritage trail if we would like and all that stuff. Just do whatever you would like. Then Saturday is the big day. That is the wish day. I will be going on the sidelines for Packers walk through practice after practice, I will be having lunch with the team, and then I will be having a tour of Lambeau Field, hopefully seeing Wes Hodquitt's office, because that's the main attraction on these tours. Oh, yeah. And then Sunday, of course, I'll be going to the Cowboys game, most likely be on the sidelines as well for that one. And then Monday, it's all over. Wow. What a weekend. Yes. Now. You say that West Hod's uh, office is the main attraction at 1265 Lombardi. It just got me thinking, like, when he retires in, like, 30 years from now, it will be a very sad day. But they need to, like, preserve his office chair, his desk. So, like, they have that little little section in the Hall of Fame where you got Vince Lombardi's desk and, like, his chair and the fake books behind him. Right next to it, they need West Hodkowitz's desk, his mm-hmm. chair, his, you know – computer like we need the west hockwitz exhibit at the packers hall of fame many years down the road like that needs to happen yes like i'm, I'm thinking of uh, the endless possibilities here of little artifacts you could have with him <laughs> but that is all we have for you here on episode 118 of the underage packers podcast we really appreciate you tuning in um, hopefully, I, I mean, I can't promise content, but if the Packers start doing better, or I mean, if they keep on being worse and make dramatic changes, we will have more content for you. But for now, that's all we got for you. Make sure to uh, follow us on all the social media platforms, and we'll talk to you later. Let's get to this win against Dallas and Big Mike, and go Pack Go.